evening, everyone. I wonder what you'd say is the most valuable foundation that set you up for life. Education, parental discipline, freedom to explore, coaching or investment from certain people along the way. I wonder what you'd say. Do you know the phrase to stand someone in good stead? Do you know what it means? Where it's come from? Can you think of the last time you used it? I can't think of anywhere else that the word stead is regularly used. The root of the word from other languages is the word place or sometimes town. So we use it to say it's put someone in a good place. And we pretty much always, or at least mostly use it in the context of saying someone's training has paid off in the moment or someone's upbringing has paid off in a moment. Maybe it's teacher training has put someone in good stead or good parenting has put someone in good stead to make decisions in the moment. I wonder what it is you'd say has put you in good stead. Well, the question for us this evening as we close off the book of Philippians is, how will what we've heard from God's word stand us in good stead? It was a real encouragement for some of us sharing encouragements and challenges from the book of Philippians on Wednesday night. But how will those things stand us in good stead for the challenges that will come our way? And so Paul wants to close his book by saying this, stand firm in the Lord so you can rejoice in every circumstance. Stand firm in the Lord so you can rejoice in every circumstance. Here's what we take away from this book. Here's what will stand us in good stead. Unspeakable joy is ours in every circumstance when we stand firm in the Lord. So firstly, Paul says, stand firm. Have a look back at verse one. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. There's no doubt that Paul has deep concern for his readers. Look at the care oozing out of the sentence. My brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for. You are my joy and crown. You are my dear friends. But what is it he deeply desires? That his readers would stand firm in the Lord. Well, what does it mean to stand firm in the Lord? This morning with the children, we used the examples of musical statues. Standing firm when the music stops. Being unmoved unchanged. Here's the example Jesus uses in Matthew 7. Read along with me. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. 
But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Standing firm is hearing and putting into practice the words of Jesus. That's what Jesus says, such that whatever the circumstances are that come our way, the person who trusts in Jesus is unmoved. Maybe you'll know the song that goes with those verses that finishes, but the house on the rock stood firm. For the person who trusts in Jesus, they're not falling flat because of the solid foundation of rock. And Paul here, he longs for his readers that they'd stand firm, be unmoved, that in standing firm in the Lord, whatever the circumstances are, they'd be okay. So maybe this evening you've been trusting Jesus for years. Paul's longing is that we'd stand firm in the Lord, ready for any and every circumstance. And maybe this evening you've logged in and you don't trust in Jesus. It's brilliant to have you. Maybe it even feels like your world is coming crashing down right now. Well, Paul says you find life in the firmest of foundations. You find life in the Lord Jesus. And notice what Paul says. He says, stand firm in this way. What he's doing is he's He's finishing off his argument through the letter. Stand firm in this way. He's finishing off chapter 3, verse 20, as he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. See what Paul's saying? He's urging us to stand firm in the promise that Jesus is coming back. And that if we trust in him, our citizenship is with him in heaven. So we can eagerly await the Lord Jesus' return, that he'll take us to be with him. Paul's pulling together all that he's told us in the book already to, to stand firm in the gospel in his good news about the Lord Jesus, that the Lord Jesus came to earth, and we see the description in chapter two, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. See, Paul says, stand firm in the Lord in this way, in his good news to us, the gospel, in the words of the Lord Jesus, in his work on the cross, in his promises, in all that Paul's already reminded us of in the book that the Lord Jesus suffered and died in our place. He 
rose victorious, beating death for anyone that will trust in him. And he will return to gather his people. Stand firm in this truth and don't move on from it. Well, what would it look like for us to stand firm? What will it look like to stand in good stead off the back of the book of Philippians? I don't know if you've noticed, but I think we like to have a bit of national pride in being prepared. If it's not the scouts and their famous motto, be prepared, it's Blue Peter and their favourite crafty moment. Here's one I prepared earlier. Or maybe it's meticulous weather tracking, ready for any and every eventuality. That gives us sayings like, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. Or maybe it's something slightly more subtle. Something like finances, mortgage rates, investments, calculating the right rates on the right accounts. There's a mortgage provider not far from here called Paratus, which in Latin means prepared. It's like there's an underlying fear of not being ready. There's an underlying fear of being caught out, of not being able to cope in some circumstance. Well, Paul says, when we stand firm in the Lord, we'll be ready for any and every circumstance. So he pulls together two things and he repeats every, any circumstance. Paul says, stand firm in the Lord and you don't need to be anxious in any circumstance. And you can be content in every circumstance. You don't need to be anxious in any circumstance. Look at verses four to six. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And you might read verse four there and think, that's really unhelpful. When I'm going through tough or trying circumstances, being told to rejoice, that's not going to stand me in good stead. You might have logged in this evening in the midst of really difficult circumstances. And the last thing you wanted was God telling you by his word to rejoice. It's like the person who comes to you and, and tells you to cheer up when you're upset. But Paul's different. Remember, he's so genuine. He has that deep longing and concern for his readers. Look at verse six. He's so practical. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Whatever the circumstance that could shake you, whatever it is that's causing you to worry, how refreshing is it that the answer is not make sure you've packed the right gear? The answer is not 
your hard work will pay off? The answer is not even, you could have done more to avoid ending up here. No, come before the Lord in prayer. And you might read and think it's a bit of an odd way he strings a sentence together. By prayer and petition, that's asking, with thanksgiving, we'd normally associate that with not asking. Present your request to God. That's asking. How do we figure that one out? What's he saying? Is it like he's saying, ask, don't ask, ask? What are we to do? Well, Paul's saying to bring our requests to God with the mindset of thanksgiving. What would that look like? Well, just like Paul in chapter one, in a jail cell, the natural thing is to immediately ask for his rescue, which he may well have prayed for. But see, recorded through chapter one, his concern is all in all things is the gospel. Why? Why is it the gospel? Because he is so thankful for the Lord Jesus and what Jesus has done for him, that it shapes everything that he asked for. So if you trust in Jesus, when you're worried, is it right to pray for what you want? Yes, because as we're transformed by the good news of the gospel, what we want is God's glory. As we pray, God gets to work on our passions and our priorities. And sometimes it might be that God changes our circumstances that we were concerned, that we were worried about. But it might just be that sometimes as we bring our requests to God with thanksgiving, we focus our eyes on the Lord Jesus. It's not our circumstances that change. It's us. As we're changed to be more and more like the Lord Jesus. And see what happens. Look at verse seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In that moment, for some reason that we can't easily explain, we'll have a palpable peace in our current circumstance. For some reason that we can't quite describe, we have an unspeakable joy that supersedes whatever it was that we were worried about. And that, that's the peace of God that transcends all understanding. That's the joy that comes from the gospel. The transforming work of the spirit that guards our hearts and minds in Jesus. This evening, are you worried about something? Pray. Are you consumed by your circumstances? Pray. Has something been stopping you finding joy? Pray. Paul wants you and me to be stood in good stead, that whatever circumstances we're in, we will pray. That whatever circumstances we'll meet in days, weeks, months to come, that we would pray. 
with thanksgiving because of what the Lord Jesus has done for us. And in praying, we'd recognise and remember the unspeakable joy of the gospel. Paul says you don't need to be anxious in any circumstance. And he says you can be content in every circumstance. Have a look at verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this, that this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul, he's rejoicing because the people of the church in Philippi are concerned for him, not because he likes being felt sorry for, but because he's rejoicing in gospel growth. They're demonstrating a Christ-like concern for God's people. But just look at verse 11. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances he's finding joy and he's content despite his unchanged circumstances he's learned the secret of being content in every circumstance remember we've talked about him stuck in prison when it had been desperate to be out the secret is standing firm in the lord it's having eyes on it's finding joy in the good news of the gospel and how that shapes everything you see. That's Paul's secret. That's what we've seen all along. As he takes joy in gospel growth in God's people, he takes joy in the gospel going out to people that don't yet trust it. Whether fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want, the secret is finding joy in the gospel. I wonder where you're prone to discontentment. Your salary, your house size, your job title, your relationships, having children, finding a husband or wife, time off, a holiday, a pay rise. Maybe you think if I just had that, I would be content. That's not true. That is not true. Do you want to know what the secret is to being content? Well, Paul tells us the secret is you can be content in any and every situation. The secret is not change circumstances. How can you be content in any and every situation? By standing firm in the Lord in this way in the way that holds to the promises of Jesus, that he's offered us life to the full. And if we've accepted it, he will come back to take us to be with him. There is no other way that we'll be content. And Paul says in verse 13, when you get that, when you really, really get that, that the being content is not about circumstances, it's about Jesus, 
when you get that, you can do all things. Maybe you've heard this verse ripped out of context. Maybe you've seen it attached to a nice picture on Instagram. Maybe you've heard someone claim it to say they can do extraordinary things like the use of this verse invokes special privileges. Well, the incredible thing is not the millionaire sports person that can perform amazingly and find joy in God under pressure because Jesus gives them strength. That's not the most amazing. Do you know what's more amazing? When a passionate, urgent, driven worker who thrives in people work is confined to a prison cell and says, I can find joy in this circumstance. Or maybe today is when a grieving mother has just, just lost the baby she's carried and she's devastated. And she says, I can be content in my circumstances because my joy is in the Lord. That is incredible. It's when a missionary abroad is held captive and threatened with death. And they can say, I can be content in these circumstances because my joy is in the Lord. The incredible thing about this verse is not when circumstances are going well, is when someone who trusts in Jesus faces the most devastating situation and yet can stand firm in the Lord. Because the good news of the gospel is transforming them to be more and more like the Lord Jesus. And the good news of the gospel gives them a hope beyond any circumstances that could threaten to rob them of joy. And so through it, they're able to find joy in him. I don't know if you've ever thought, what if that happened? The absolutely unthinkable. You maybe think, actually, I'm, I'm coping okay in my circumstances at the moment. But if that happened, that would tip me over the edge. I don't know how I'd trust God in that situation. Phil mentioned to some of us in prayers on Wednesday about the family in a car hit by a lorry on the A40. I'm sure you'll have read it in the news this week. I went and read what happened. 29-year-old Zoe and 30-year-old Josh from Chinna and their four children, eight, six, four and 18 months, were in a car on Monday night on the A40 and had a collision with a lorry. The mother Zoe and the three eldest children were killed. The father and the 18 month old daughter were taken to hospital. And as I read the report, I couldn't help but read those words and think, how on earth could you cope? Waking up in hospital to that devastating news. How on earth? How on earth could you possibly trust God in the light of news like that? And I looked down from my laptop back to Philippians 4. I can do all things 
through him who gives me strength. It can't always be a bouncing off the walls happiness. There is a right place for sorrow and sadness, but there will always be a deep rooted joy that recognizes in Jesus, you have life with God forever, even though you don't deserve it, because that puts everything in perspective. Paul says he knows the secret of being content in every circumstance. See, being ready isn't all about being prepared with money for a rainy day. It's not being prepared with brilliant coping strategies. It's not, it's, it's not doing all those things. It's having a deep trust in the Lord Jesus and standing firm in the Lord. And so the best thing to do to prepare is to see afresh the good news of Jesus' rescue. And tomorrow, to see afresh the good news of Jesus' rescue. And let the good news of the gospel transform you to cling on to it more and more and more as our only lifeline in every situation to stand firm in the Lord. So Philippi, receiving this letter from Paul, what does it look like to stand in good stead off the back of his letter? Town Church Bista, what will it look like for you to be stood in good stead having spent time in Philippians, that in any and every circumstance that we might face, whether it's disaster and we're devastated, or more likely that our situation is just a bit of a grind at the moment, that we would stand firm in the Lord, in his good news through the Lord Jesus, that we would cling to him as our only means of rescue, that we'd find unspeakable joy in him, in his promise that we have life with him forever because he's rescued us. Let me pray. Father, we pray this evening that whatever our circumstances are right now, that the good news of the Lord Jesus, that we can have life forever with you, would put those um, circumstances into perspective. Father, we pray that you would help us to trust you, to stand firm in you because of what Jesus has done. Lord, please would you help us not to worry, but to find joy. Amen.